This episode is going to be a bit different than the first one, as our guest and I discuss a project which they have personally created to help gamers improve at League of Legends. Instead of it being content-based, it's more technical and AI-based. I initially sat down with him a few weeks ago to record the first part of this podcast, and then a few days ago sat down again and recorded part two, so we could hear about how this project is progressing and gain some additional scope of what's involved in something like this. Without further ado, I give you the most experienced Sejuani player in North America, Gunday Monday. I am your host, not Spencer. This is the second episode of What the Meta, and I'm here with none other than Gunday Monday, the Sejuani legend. Who Hello. Also, does a little bit of uh, business analytics and business intelligence uh, work in his professional life, and is one of the top Sejuani players in the world. Maybe like yeah, I think he's like number sixteen in the most played Sejuani. Is that something like that? Fifteen, sixteen. Something 10, like that. Top ten. I was pretty excited. I've been been using a tool that we're going to talk about to like climb a little, and like on like the North American OP.GG, I'm like the number one Sejuani master. So that felt good. But I think that just means I'm like higher than D2 and played a lot of games on her. Mm. But yeah, I have uh, across all my accounts about three, four million mastery on that champion. And there's some people like I think Anibot is in double digit millions mastery. So that's not that impressive. But there's only a, a couple people that have that many games. So I, I know a thing or two about the champ. I play other champions too, but like every tournament you play is a is a one trick. Your one trick gets banned, right? So I, I know how to play like all the junglers at a pretty high level. But yeah, that one, I muscle memory, just everything's automatic. Mm, fantastic, fantastic. And um, tell me a little bit about uh, about your your fall into esports. Like, what got you interested in esports as like an industry? Like, what was the moment for you that kind of clicked? yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think part of it started is like I, I always played video games growing up. I, I'm sure that's familiar to most people listening to this, right? You know, and like competitively, like my entire family was diehard Dr. Mario. Like we would talk shit with my mom and dad and play constantly, huge bragging rights kind of thing. And then that kind of like led into us like playing all kinds of like the shooter games, like the 007 GoldenEye, the Halos, all those things. It was always after like sports practice or whatever in high school. And then the gaming hobby carried on in college. Uh, my freshman roommate, I guess he wasn't a roommate until later, but he lived like two doors down the hall from me, uh, ended up founding Panda Global Gaming, which is like a pretty legit fighting game thing. Check him out if you're a fan of Smash Brothers and a bunch of other really great games. And I ended up living with him for like most of my undergrad and graduate, uh, you know, schooling. And so like I would like be working on stuff and he'd be like, hey, have you checked out League of Legends? play this and then like all the smash brother players from like the u of m teams and the u of m fighting scene would like come over and be like playing just in there and so like okay i'll play with you guys i'll be your punching bag you know but that's kind of how i i saw the industry and got into it uh really like playing league and stuff like that just was a hobby and then uh, i've been coaching for like, almost two decades like since i was in middle school really so like it kind of transitioned from me coaching things like sports. Like I used to run basketball camps in the summer for money, to, like during college and stuff. Um, I coached my freshman high school's uh, girls team one year. We had like the best record in school history. That was great, right? Nice. So pretty good at coaching, but then transitioned into League of Legends coaching just because I noticed like, okay, there aren't that many coaches and there are a lot of players that want to get better. Started doing that and then a couple thousand 
lesson sessions, students later, you know, here we are. Now we're trying to combine it with some data science and automate it, which is my current project called tryharder.gg. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. I've been, been playing leagues in season two pretty consistently. Uh, really like esports, really like that it's exploding. I mean, yesterday, Riot announced that they are doing a North American like high school farm league that'll feed into college League of Legends, that'll then like feed into the pro scene, I'm assuming. You know, so it's kind of cool being in this spot and then watching all these resources get dumped into it so that it's exploding. And it's like, cool, you can now get free college for playing video games. You can now do that full time if you're good enough. Like, I, like oh, man, I, I wish I was born like five years later, you know, just so I can jump on this. But I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't appreciate it then. Yeah, no, there's definitely seems like there's some really great opportunities, especially with that going on. And it seems like that they have a good motivation behind it, I think, uh, to kind of like help, sure. help people organize because it has been has been growing. If you look at like the collegiate scene um, or at least if you just from like the job search standpoint, I've been doing a lot of like. Uh, monitoring of like the the job hiring sites like Hitmarker or Rekt Games or whatever, and just uh, there's constant postings for esports coaches at universities around the U.S. So well, and you have to think about it too. Like like part of my my like day job is in like you mentioned business intelligence analytics, uh, like strategy planning, data science. A lot of it is figuring out like, hey, what is going to happen? How can I make more money? How do I optimize things? Right. Well, generally, you want to follow the money for those kind of things. And if you look at like League of Legends, we're talking about college League of Legends. They are now giving out more and more scholarships for being good at video games. It's not just League, it's all the other ones, right? Like, so, okay, if you can get free college for this, what do people do for other things that get free college, right? Like, if you look at all those, like, test prep classes that cost quite a bit of money, or you look at all those, like, personal trainers to be good at sports so your kiddo can get a full ride and you don't have to shell out, like, 50 grand for their collegiate education. That's, really that's, that's going to start happening in video games. It's already starting, but it's only going to accelerate. And now parents won't be like, stop wasting your time on that video game. They're going to be like, Timmy, did you play your League of Legends solo queue games today? <laughs> Can't have fun with your friends until you have fun in solo queue. You know, it's just weird yeah. but that's the reality we're moving towards yeah, that is as long as the money's there that's, so that's a super uh super great point super interesting one i've never really heard it angled that in that way but it is exactly right like you definitely i love the uh the example of the, the parent um giving the kid uh you know that it's a, you're gonna have to be practicing your solo gear. it's a dynamic shift like i remember like my mom used to make me like play piano and I hated it just because she like made me play it. And then like in college, like I was like, okay, I want to play guitar. And then I actually practiced and did it on my own just because I did it and I wanted to. So I'm wondering how that dynamic is going to change when like parents are forcing their kids to like play Fortnite or something, just on the off chance that they get really good and get, you know, a couple bucks knocked off the tuition bill. Mm. Mm. Okay. And, I think that's 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 great. Uh, it's a great introduction. It's a good way to kind of start this conversation. Um, I want to know sure. a little bit more about you, uh, about your professional life. Like um, you talked about, like your esports life, how you started uh, at university and stuff. But uh, sure, talk, talk about like your your day job uh, or what you have done, and yeah, let's just start with that. Oh sure. Uh, so here, let, let me kind of like give you how I ended up in this weird space. So I, I've been around Detroit for like the past decade or so. I uh, went to undergrad. I wanted to be a doctor. I was doing all those pre-med weeder classes about junior year. I shadowed some doctors and then was like, 
yikes, this is what they do all day. I I don't want to do this. I don't like this. No, 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 no. Uh, career shift. I went into like the public health world. I wanted to be like one of those CDC guys, like helping people not get sick. So I was doing a bunch of like mathematical models and biostatistics. Uh, I've worked with a really cool professor named Alfred Hero III, and I got to see all this crazy PhD studies. We were trying to figure out how to predict if like army soldiers were going to get sick with the flu before they had symptoms. And we were able to do it. Like they'd take blood and we'd analyze it and we'd be like, yep, this guy's going to get sick you know, like three days before. That was like what I was working on under a DARPA grant, right? So I went from that and then I graduated and I was like looking for a job and like they cut all the funding for all the public health stuff, like right when I graduated. Um, at the time, uh, my partner was like doing some like med school around Detroit. So I'm like, okay, I need to find something around Detroit. I ended up at Quicken Loans doing mortgage analytics. You know, the thing every young video game player slash public health professional dreams about, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it was really great. Like at the time there was like a team of, it was like 20 or 30 analysts, something like that. And I got thrown in the middle of that. Quicken was exploding over the next, I was with them for about eight years. They became the number one mortgage lender, partly because like I was helping along with, you know, with the other couple thousand team members doing their part. But that was really interesting because I got to apply the exact same kind of math and statistics and science that I was using to predict if people were going to get sick with the flu to things like, hey, is this person going to pay us? Hey, like, what's the best possible deal for this person? It's all the same math. It's just the nouns changed. So instead of like flu virus, it was like mortgage, which is just super weird to think about. But if you frame it right, you can still kind of have fun with it. But that was really nice because I, I got to work at this technology company that had quite a bit of resources. And even as a relatively junior person, I was like working with like CEO level people to solve problems. Like, I, I think I did some work at one point that like President Obama reviewed and like, cool, he agreed with me and I got to change a mortgage law. Like, but nice. kind of cool. But anyway, so a lot of the skills there, like, hey, let, let's do some health diagnostics. Let's build some KPIs to figure out, okay, is this thing broken? Is it going to break? What do we do about it? And then automating that and figuring all that stuff out. You get to meet some really cool, smart people. You get to figure out how to build really intricate systems that can tell you different things. And the skill sets that I kind of developed as I was learning and growing at this mortgage company, I'm now like, huh, what if we did all this stuff, you know, in esports and video games? You know, and at night, I'm moonlighting as a coach, right? I'm noticing, hey, all my students, they seem to have kind of the same 10 or 20 problems. Mm. And we have data that I can identify these 10 or 20 problems with. And wait a second, you know, then everything kind of lines up. And I've been trying to build this thing, which we now call a try harder for the past five years or so. But does that kind of make sense? That's kind of my journey. Well, wanted to like help people get better. I've been coaching for almost two decades been working doing analytics and data science for a mortgage company and have been playing league and coaching since and now able to kind of like tie it all together to try to make a thing that can help people get better at the game they love yeah that's kind of uh that's kind of perfect uh, i was actually gonna my next question was going to be um asking about like the skills that you use in your professional life and how that's kind of helped you um in kind of transition that into an esports yeah. related position you talked about that uh, you touched on that at the very end there about how you you know, we're able to use the same sort of skills. Can you like dive deeper? Into yeah. That and tell us a little no, bit. No, definitely. About try harder. 
again, it, we're solving the exact same problems, be it mortgages or be it like securing bear and Nashers, right? It's a process that you measure with data. You figure out, okay, are you good or bad at this thing? Why? Measure that, okay? And then what do you do about it? So like at Quicken Loans with like mortgages and things like that, a lot of the problems were, hey, figure out where we're bleeding and figure out how to stop it and then build a thing that automatically detects it and stops it from happening in the future or predicts when it's going to happen again. And a lot of that is data processing and things like that, which are kind of boring, but whatever, just math and computer programming. But the core concept of being able to recognize a pattern act on it and then provide insight so you can do something about it. That's the important thing that we've been able to take from our day jobs and kind of apply to video games. So for league, like, okay, am I winning or losing games? That's like my outcome, right? How do I win more games? How do I lose less games? Okay, what goes into winning a game? What are all the things I have to do? You know, League of Legends, you win the game by destroying the enemy nexus or making the enemy team surrender. Good players won't surrender, so we focus on destroying the nexus. What do I have to do for that? I have to kill the two Nexus Towers. What do I have to do for that? I have to kill an inhibitor. What do I have to do for that? I have to kill an inhibitor tower. What do I have to do before that? I have to kill an inner tower. What do I have to do before that? I have to kill an outer tower. What do I do before that? I have to push minions up so that I can right-click it. What if the enemy team tries to stop me? I have to kill them and force them out using strategery and advanced gameplay. Okay, that's a lot, but we have data for all that. It's free thanks to the Riot API. We can measure everything. We can figure out where you're good, where you're bad, where you can improve. And if we can do that, Here's the data, here's the insight, are you good or bad? And then here's what you do about it, and that's the coaching. So again, it, it's the same problems, just applied to different nouns. And that's kind of what we've automated at scale now hmm. with Try Harder. Hmm. <sighs> yeah, great explanation, thank you. Um, what's something that you've learned in the past year? Like, what is like a new skill or something that you've yeah, just learned about, like a new skill? new skill does it have to be video game related or just in general no just in general just something something new something that you know kind of excites you just like tell me something yeah i well here i'll bring it back to try harder so one thing that i've been learning about with this before i've always been like the the math guy that'll come in and do some stats and then i'll try to figure out like some of the subject matter so like that might be like knowing every league of legends champion the cooldowns right something like that but for something else like is it mortgages is it like darpa people getting sick i know how all that stuff works and i can tie it together and i can help tech people build the thing uh, with try harder we've actually had to build everything from scratch and that required bringing in some people that knew what they were doing so like we actually are processing a couple terabytes of data to get every game on the na server like updated and recorded and then built into our metrics that we use to compare everybody to figure out are they good or are they bad on like a $3,000 server that we built from scratch. And like that took some finagling. Like we had to learn some really cool, I guess, software tricks, some hardware tricks. We had to like figure out, okay, where can we get some cheap parts? We can harvest them from these other places. We can hit up eBay for some things because we were like self-financing all this. And that that's like a world I've never been a part of. I've always been like, okay, you guys deal with that server stuff off in the shadows, right? It just magically works. Nah, there's, there's like a lot of effort that goes into that. So like, that's been kind of interesting. Like uh, yesterday I just delivered a whole bunch of like server shelves to my buddy who's like really good at this stuff. And he just 
built our second server for try harder like today and was sending me pictures of it you know but he just kind of frankensteined it all together from all these pieces that we found on various corners of the internet and it's really cool seeing how it works and he's explaining the architecture and like it's a world i, I just never knew so that's kind of exciting to me can you tell me like uh what's your what's your favorite part in your uh your favorite part about uh working on this project on try harder like what's been your favorite part so far helping people that's an easy one that's always my favorite thing like uh like whenever i play games i always like playing the support player or the tank player and then i like being a like a linebacker peeling for my carry running behind me you know mm -hmm. to the finish line to the touchdown to whatever it is so like what's cool about this is as one person you know i'm limited by time so like if I, i've coached a couple thousand people over the last seven years mostly in league of legends sometimes in basketball sometimes in analytics and stuff like that but, you know, I can only coach like one person at a time. You know, maybe I'll get a team and it'll be a little more, but you know, still very few numbers. Uh, with this try harder application, we're building an automated thing that tells people how to get better. I have the potential to still like dump my brain into this AI that's learning all this stuff, recognizing all these patterns, being like, here's how you need to improve. But I can use this tool to dramatically amplify that so I can help more people. <laughs> is like really the goal right make everybody better make everybody hit their goals that's awesome super noble uh of a, of a plan i i like that that was uh that was kind of the same as along as a very similar parallel with uh, my work at pro guides you know the goal there yeah definitely was to make uh or help other people get better improve at the game uh because you know when you think about it when we invest such such uh, a large amount of time uh, and energy, both emotional and, you know, not always physical, but definitely emotional and mental energy towards this thing. Man, if, you, if you're just uh, stuck in ELO hell, you know, or your, your version of ELO hell, then it's, it's not enjoyable. You, you have yeah, those are the players we want to help, you know, because like I've coached a bunch of people and they think they're great and we watch a game and I'm like, hey, you just made 10 mistakes. And it's like, oh yeah, I did. You know, the good people that climb will say that. Other people will try to deny it and you gotta work from a little to make them see. But mm. yeah, if we can do that kind of thing, it'll help. Like, you know, a little selfish too, right? Like like if everybody gets better, suddenly the quality of my solo keys go up, you know? It'll be a lot more fun supporting someone that knows what they're doing versus like what I sometimes get matched with thanks to Riot's wonderful wonderful system mm, absolutely. but uh you, you got to do well by doing good right absolutely and it's kind of it's kind of funny it's it's also um you're technically like if you do your job well enough you know like you you become out of a job in a way like right you're ideally you're just trying to get these people up to a level to where you know where they can no longer need your services or no longer need your coaching not only well not only do yes and no can, can i interrupt you sure go ahead so what, what TryHarder is doing is a lot of the easy stuff. And eventually we're going to get to the nitty gritty thing. Right now it's measuring fundamental. Mm. Like uh, some of the other coaches that I've talked with, because I, I want them to use the tool too. This is a tool for coaches as well as players are bored out of their mind, giving the same lesson over and over and over again. So whenever I see that pattern in tech, I'm like, okay, cool, automate, which is what we're trying to do. But okay, now you have a thing that automates the boring stuff. All right, person comes in, pays you money to be a coach. What are my problems? Oh, here's this tool. It tells you, oh, look, you need to work on your fundamentals. The essing is bad. You're dying too much here. It looks like your vision is bad, which is why you're dying. Oh, you need to the jungle work so you don't die to these jungle ganks over and over, which is why your CS is bad. Cool, do that and you'll be fine. 
five minute coaching lesson where before it might have taken two hours to get to that. And then when they come back and they actually have really interesting nitty gritty problems, cool. Now you can go into the stuff that is hard to automate, that is hard to use like machine learning for. And that's where coaches like have real excitement because then they can use their expertise and skill to help someone elevate to a level that normally they'd be wasting their time being like, here's what a last hit is. This is what a champion, you know, like yeah. you don't have to cover the basics. You can skip to the fun stuff. Not necessarily putting myself out of the job, just making the job more fun, more exciting, a little bit more challenging. Hmm. I like that. I like that. That does seem fitting. And uh, yeah, um, speaking about the job and like kind of helping people, uh, as far as esports wise, what's like been your, your greatest sacrifice? Like, what what is. Is there something that you've done uh, or something that you've had to like kind of give up to maybe put more time into esports or was there something? Oh, yeah. So tell me about like, uh, yeah, just a sacrifice in general. Sleep. <laughs> there you go. Like when you're, you're holding down a day job, right? You know, it's usually not just 40 hours. Like a, I think at Quicken, I was putting in like, like 50 hours a week, you know, plus commute time, which was with traffic and accidents around Detroit sometimes an hour, you know, going in, coming back, right? So when do you have time to do the other stuff? When do you have time to like get better? When do you have time to listen to podcasts like this one to like learn about the industry, learn about tricks to like, get better at the game, right? Well, you don't, you gotta give something up, right? So like maybe I went to a few less concerts, maybe I slept a few less hours so I can get some more games and so I can coach one more person. So I could like code a little bit more of my automated coaching tool. But man, mostly it's just the time it takes to like build the expertise, to build your skill set. And that has to come from somewhere. And you also have to pay the bills. And like people like you who were able to work for like pro guides and stuff are sometimes lucky enough to do both simultaneously. But it's tricky if you're like stuck in another industry, but trying to do this one as well. Yeah, there, there were like some days where like, okay, I take like an hour long instead of like having lunch, right? Mm. You know, because I stayed up until four in the morning coding a thing. Yeah. Like, okay, I can do that, try to get some sleep back. But you know, like that that's not really sustainable over a long enough period. Like you need to take care of yourself too. So you got to sacrifice some stuff. Hopefully I didn't take too many years or too much wax off my candle burning it at both ends. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're doing a pretty good job. Uh, you know, that's definitely uh, that's definitely something that I experienced as well a little bit. Um, even at ProGuides, even though I wasn't, uh, you know, typically um, esports was my job a little bit, but I still put a lot of hours in. And you know, those those naps during midday or mid afternoon or whatever, or even in the evening, yeah, sure, definitely saved my life. Uh, I'd say when I was in LA. Um, and I was lucky enough too. Like we kind of talked on this, but a lot of the skills I was developing job directly applicable to some of the stuff we're we're doing now you know it transfers over so it's not like it's it's one thing over here and another thing over there like if you can frame it right everything can kind of feed into itself so uh, I, I was lucky enough that i was able to kind of see the big picture and and take skills from one place and apply them to somewhere else mm, great just always a good skill set to learn right like if you're reading a book watching a tv show you can always apply that to your gameplay or something you know, like, like, are you a Game of Thrones fan? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I don't want to piss off all your your listeners no, no, with spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers, but... But, but you know, there's one episode where maybe a little bit of medieval warfare strategy might have made it so certain things happened a little bit differently. You know, like, it was fun talking about that with a, a few coaches after that episode aired. Yeah. 
I don't know, but you could, the point is you can take information, you can take ideas, you can take strategies from any medium and apply it to something else if you just frame it right. Mm. That's like a really important concept I think I've learned over the past decade doing this. Awesome. Um, have you have you worked with uh, with other teams in esports or I guess like before you were doing tryout? Yeah. I, I think I, I think we met at. Uh, we met at like a, a event in Detroit. It was the a conf. It was like a, a convention. It was like an anime convention, I think. And oh yeah, that there was a Yubicon. Yeah, I remember that. You, you were playing in a, in a tournament, in a league tournament, and I just happened to be like just covering it. I think I had just started um, writing my blog, DetroitEsports.com, and just <laughs> trying to get involved in some way in esports. And so I wanted to like be there and and just uh, and cover a little bit about like the StarCraft tournament, about the League of Legends tournament, just do a little bit of a write-up. And um, I think there was a also a, um, I don't remember if you were involved in this or not, but were you involved in that in that fighting game, in that League of Legends fighting game? Because I, 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 I remember like, uh, yeah, I sure this, was. This League of Legends fighting game, and I was like, dang, this looks so clean. And now that you mention um, your roommates at college, you know, it makes sense that, that you were involved in that. Yeah, my roommate that I mentioned that uh, his name's David Wu. He goes by Mashumara uh, online. Uh, he is uh, one of the co-founders of Panda Him and Samurai Panda, uh, Alan Bune. Uh, but he was the one that programmed and organized the 200 people working remotely on that game. I was lucky enough to run part of the social media campaign for that. And I did uh, a few of the musical tracks for that and then, you know, play tested it. But man, that, that game was done. And then... Not sure how much I'm about to say, but certain entities that owned IP weren't a fan of it being out there without their consent and got kind of shut down by legal pressure hard. Oof. But it was all the way finished and you could play it. I remember he got like Justin Wong and all these big fighting game champions to like come in and just play it. Oh, it was so much fun. But yeah, that was the thing. And, and yeah, we did meet at Yubicon. The, the, our random team kind of won. Like that was back when I was like Diamond Five or something, and not even that good at the game. But they just needed a jungler, so I got pulled into it. After you won and you beat, I oh yeah, you maybe beat a team from like U of M. Is that accurate? I don't know. Like it just yeah, I, I think we beat like it, it was like a, a Diamond Four versus Diamond Four game, and we ended up beating them. And it felt really good because our, our mid laner at the time had really wanted to win. He was like diehard rivals with the other team, you know. Yeah. It was really good to pull that out. It was the the team that uh, beat us the year prior. Like we ended up going second before. Mm. I remember whenever like a tournament would roll in, there's like always a couple players like, "Hey, let's get a team together. Let's win this. Let's pull all these like little middle schoolers that are going to show up." And it's like, <laughs> oh, all right, cool. <laughs> but yeah, like that that was a lot of fun. So in the esports community, again, just hanging out around all these people, making it happen. Like uh, my roommate, I mentioned, like he paid for a lot of his University of Michigan tuition, like hustling people at Super Smash Brothers. Like, like that's not easy to do, you know? That is, that's incredible, actually. So like I got to hang out with like that crowd, see how everything works, see how it operated. You know, I, I was big into music. I, I mentioned like I learned a guitar in college. Well, I, I wanted to open my own music venue. That was something else I was exploring. So played in a band. Well, with that, learned how to like make music, produce music. I, I was in a band of a bunch of like University of Michigan and Michigan State music majors that had access to recording studios and stuff. So that was a lot of fun. Could take those skills, make video game music for my buddy's League of Legends fighting game that like, blew up on Reddit that one day and got crushed by Riot's legal team. You know, so all these transferable skills, lots of fun, being in the right place at the right time, finding opportunities, trying them. Some of them work, some of them don't, right? 
just like anything. Hmm. What would you say networking wise? Like you obviously have uh, like networked w- with that fighting games community and that really kind of helped push you into the projects, I'd, I'd say. Um, yeah. That perspective. Um, what, what kind of like tips would you give people looking to network in the industry? Like how would one get involved or how do they reach out to people? Always try to help people. If you see an opportunity, like someone needs help and you can do it, go for it. If it's going to take like 10 years of your life to help them, like it, I don't know, do what you can, right? But uh, like that's number one. Uh, don't be shy. There's a lot of people that are kind of like, like I'm a social butterfly. So it's a lot easier for me, an extrovert, to kind of say this versus talking to an introvert who's probably terrified of social contact and stuff, right? But uh, don't be afraid to go talk to people. Everyone's just a game to make friends and like play and win games, right? Especially in like games like League of Legends where you need to work as a team if you want to win. So look for opportunities, help if you can, help everybody, don't burn any bridges, right? You never know who's gonna come back to help you later and just keep paying it forward if somebody helps you. Very important to keep track of your contacts. Like I use social media for this. Like, like I try to follow everybody that I'm a fan of or have helped or whatever, you know, so be it Discord, be it Twitter, be it Reddit, be it whatever, be it Bookface, although I'm not a, a fan of their creepy Big Brother data stuff. So I've since turned that off. But, you know, try to stay in contact, even if it's just like via a social connection, just so you can remember, because you never know when like someone from Berlin wants to like throw you on a podcast and help hype your brand new like automated coaching tool that's going into you know close beta absolutely i think that's that's super cool uh like you know we met one like just one time and it was a very it was yeah. very brief and uh here we are today uh it's cool to see you you know continuing your projects and uh, yeah and likewise it's cool to see you and now we're helping each other so fantastic uh, this this is what that's what the podcast is all about that's what you know hopefully what the meta becomes is just a way um where we help other people who are you know wanting to get involved um speaking of wanting to get involved we spoke with uh my friend art tori gold uh, a little bit um in the last episode his um experiences kind of like went through job searching in like a traditional way where like you're looking through job boards and you're and you're looking for projects to get involved with and stuff. Now, uh, you said already that um, that she would offer people, you know, like some sort of value. Um, and I think you come from more like the project base, like where you're creating your own projects um, for the most part or um, so in that sense, like, how is how is that different, like, for you landing a job in esports? It's not like a traditional job, right? Like, you're not immediate, you're not reaping the rewards, you know, of another of what the company has already built before you've entered their sphere or whatever. Like, but basically, how do you like identify like where you can contribute to the industry um, if you do decide to go the, the non-traditional job route and, and just and, I, and actually in esports, I would say create just just doing it is actually maybe the esports way so maybe this is the traditional esports way of doing things but how would you i would i would say it's like the wild wild west where anything goes right now just because esports is such a young industry and sure it's progressed quite a bit in the past few years like now there's some serious money flowing in from a ton of people but still like those people aren't necessarily seeing the return that they are expecting from the amount of money they're putting in people are saying there's like a bubble building that might burst so the question becomes, okay, how can you help them get that return? And again, this is me talking kind of from a financial background, right? The other aspect is how can you give people something they value and how can you do it without being redundant? Like if you're just trying to get a job, right? 
and someone's already doing it and their thing works fine, why would they ever hire you? What do you bring to the table that they aren't already doing? Uh, so probably for creating that value or for getting your foot in the door and then getting hired and then getting paid to do this kind of stuff, you have to show that you can do something that they need that they do not have. And the they is just whoever it is. It could just be, you know, people with money willing to pay you for a service. It could be, you know, that big team that you're applying to coach for or manage for or play for. I don't know. But you have to show that you can give them something that they don't have that has value, whatever that value might be. Like uh, like players, um, there are a few teams that balance different metrics. Like uh, there are some League of Legends teams that have players that aren't very good at the game itself, but are very good at like social media. So like it seems like a weird thing to say, but if you think about it, the team's job is to win games, sure, but also to make money. And if you have like more of a reach, like there's that one support player that you know he's not the best mechanically but he has 10 million Twitter followers or something. And they're all not bots. He's a very dank memer. You know, his memes are the dankest, the, the finest memes. So like, it's weird, but there are all these opportunities that aren't obvious that are there if you're looking to make the connection, right? And right now, like people are looking for, okay, we got this big team. We paid like Riot $10 million or whatever it is. How do we make money? You know, are we selling like hoodies and stuff? Are we doing meet and greets where you can like buy autograph things? Are we uh, selling ad revenue? Are we selling sponsorship patches like on NASCAR for the jerseys or, or whatever? Like, I don't know. There's all these revenue streams, right? So if you can think of something that can make money, that can provide value, that can provide something, that can make the fan experience better, that can do all these things these people with money care about, cool, do it, show them. And then find a way to get paid for it. Again, do well by doing good. <laughs> But yeah, recognizing that is tough. I'm not saying it's easy. It's just you got to find a thing. And I would try to do it around your skill set if you personally, that ambiguous person out there that I'm trying to give advice to, uh, cater it to yourself so that you can be the one. I think that answered your question, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it did. Okay. Definitely. You've talked uh, a little bit about try harder. Um, sure. Can you tell, is there anything else you want to kind of like tell me about this project? Like how, how do people, how do people find specifically Try Harder? Uh, tryharder.gg is our website. Uh, right now we are in closed beta. It is Thursday night, Friday morning. We have been in beta for less than a week. We launched Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time last week. Uh, if you would like to try it out, uh, join the beta.tryharder.gg. And you can put your email in and we're sending it out in waves so that our little baby server doesn't choke and die. But uh, very young, that is the best place. Uh, there's a Discord link in the sign-up email that you'll get. And you can interact directly with me and the other devs and a couple players that are trying to get better. It's kind of fun. Uh, you asked if I did stuff with teams before. I've coached a few of the college teams. I've coached a few amateur teams. And a lot of the coaches I've worked with are in the beta right now being like, this is pretty cool, but you know, this sucks. Fix it. So it's kind of fun interacting with that. And you're welcome to join in yourself too, Spencer, or not Spencer. I never know if you are or not Spencer. Mm, let me know. But, uh, sure, I will. But uh, that's what I would do if you'd like to get involved. Now, like what it is, it's an automated coach for League of Legends. It pulls in every game of League of Legends right now only on the beta. And then for your ranked games, because that's where people try hard, right? We get better data. 
It looks at your champion and role and compares you to everyone else on the server playing that champion in that role across about a hundred metrics, tells you where you're good, tells you where you're bad, and tells you how to get better automatically. Hmm. That took a while to figure out. That's what I've been working on for the last five years of a couple friends, way smarter. So we're in beta now. It's still a little baby thing. We're making improvements to it every day, but that's what, what we are trying to do to help the community get better at League of Legends and grow and do our part at scale. Uh, I'm going to shoot another random question at you. Uh, is yeah, there anybody, cheers. Is there anybody who uh, who kind of inspires you in the industry? Is there anybody doing something that you're fascinated by that uh, you know, you've kind of look up to? Yeah. A, a while ago, he doesn't work for Riot anymore, but Riot Light, uh, Jeffrey Lin is his name. He was the one whose job it was to make people be nice to each other on the internet. Impossible job. Uh, he He did it. There were a lot of people that hated him, oh, yeah. you know, but he did it. Uh, if you ever look up Riot uh, Light GDC talk in like Google or you're in Europe, I don't know. Do you guys have I Google over I there? Listen to it. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. it I, I think. Okay. I think they pronounce it differently here. Got it. But uh, <laughs> um, he has a couple of GDC talks, game designer conference talks. So, uh, there's like, I think three of them that are up there that are pretty good. And he goes through building an automated machine learning system that analyzes people's behavior and then will like automatically ban them if they're absolute toxic assholes. You know, the people telling others to like kill themselves and stuff like that, being hyper racist, things like that. And, and there's some fun examples too, like, like his favorite, uh, it was like a screw up by his team. There was one player that got banned and he was saying horrible things to other people. They actually looked at the chat logs and he was just self-deprecating because he was playing badly. So he'd be like playing a Kali and he'd be like, God damn it, get your head in the game, stop being a shitter. But he'd be talking to himself and the, the auto ban thing got him. <laughs> and so he, they had to go and be like, oh no, and like fix that. But they have a lot of really fun stuff like that, a lot of really cool scientific experiments. I'm fascinated by really good data science like that. Uh, like a, another example, um, they called it the Optimus priming thing. You, you ever notice those like loading screen messages that show up like when you got all the character portraits in League of Legends? Yeah. They're, they're always like, it takes exactly 40 minutes to flash from one nexus to the up, you know, just shit that doesn't matter. Yeah. Sometimes it'll be lore. Uh, they, those are actually giant multivariate cohort tests where they are trying to prime the people playing to see if they can make them be nicer or play better or be less of an asshole. So like there are very small things they'll do, like change the color of the text. And you think like something like that wouldn't matter. But if there's like red text, people are more critical and more likely to be toxic by like, it was like 5% or something. If it was like white text, exact same kind of players, enough data that significant, this is across millions of games the toxicity goes away. Jeez. So he, he like has done all this cool shit and it's all kind of chronicled and he like tells the story really well of here's what we were trying to do. Here's how we set up the system to measure design and kind of control for all these weird variables and see if we could do it. And then they did all this mad science on us gamers just trying to like grab Elo and most of us didn't even notice. Hmm. So I really like people like him that go out and like, try to help people using good data science and make things better, you know? 
Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I know who he is and I actually, I think I've heard one of his talks. Um, and I, you know, I was, I'm very fascinated with the work that he's done a uh, bit of a controversial figure in some sense. Oh yeah. As far as a professional work he was doing, it was a task that you would never really get the, the full recognition that you're working towards because everybody has their own opinion and everybody, yeah. It just yeah. Becomes and they actually succeeded too. And, and they have metrics to show this measuring the toxicity. It's, pretty easy to get, you know, that kind of sentiment from all the texts that we're typing to our good, good teammates when they do a great job at, at all their gameplay, yes, right? Absolutely. Got to encourage them. Anytime you give someone, uh, you know, a little bit of criticism, it's always good to, to buff their ego a little bit beforehand. But yeah, like he actually has hard data showing that it works. And I know some people are just hiding it, you know, but cool. All, all the people like me that are just trying to play the games don't notice when you don't tell me to, you know, KYS, kiss myself or whatever. Yeah, that's it. You know, so... <laughs> but anyway, uh, he is someone I really like and respect, even though there is other kind of stuff, but a big fan of his work and big fan of the impossible task that he built a team around and tackled. Like, can, can you imagine if that was your day job? I, it'd be really fun, though. And they, they screwed up sometimes, right? Like, they would ban accidents. It's part of the learning process, but they went in and fixed it and made amends. You know, like that one guy that was self-deprecating, right? Like, he gets a count back. Yeah, of course. Of course. This is the part where we jump ahead two weeks and see how things have progressed with the Try Harder project. Tell me about Try Harder and tell me about how some things have updated. You've got put some work into it, have had some time to take a look. What's new? Yeah, we are really excited. Uh, we have we fully launched our beta. It's still closed, but we're trying to get a bunch of people in to like test our servers. So join the beta.tryharder.gg if you want to test it. Um, I'm excited because my piece was programming uh, a coaching AI. And I have done my part. Like we're pretty much done with the minimal viable product, the MVP version. Uh, right now, our, our automatic coach is smarter than me. Like it gives advice around map control, like fighting in lane, like how to farm better. So that's a big thing for me. Like that's what I've been focused on for the past month. And a couple days ago, just finished it up. Uh, we, we've been doing a few other features, like right now, uh, we just implemented dark mode, you know, just a little nice to have. And we've been uh, talking with our users. We have a try harder discord, which everybody is welcome to join once they start using the tool. And they've been giving us feedback like, hey, you know, the AI coach is a little mean about this. Maybe uh, teach it some manners. Okay, did that. Oh, it's hard to read this thing. Can you clean it up a little? All right, we did that, right? So we've been fine tuning and iterating on people's feedback, just trying to make the tool better. You know, so it's pretty fun right now. Like I, I've used it to, to climb. I think I hit diamond one a little while ago, just coaching myself with the tool on a champion. I don't know. I plugged like Rick Fox's information in. You can see my tweet about it if you're curious. And it pretty much was just like, hey, work on your game farming. First 10 minutes, you're worse than like 95% of the player base. Rick, if you fix that, everything else is good. So it's been kind of cool being able to mess around with this thing I've been working on for like five years now that it's kind of done. And now I'm just excited to share it with everybody else. So tryorder.gg if you'd like to sign up, join the beta.tryorder.gg if you want to help with some early access feedback. Uh, we are insanely proud of what we built. This is, for me, I've been the, the oldest member of the project working on this for about eight years now. And, and some of that is thinking about it, right? Over the past year or two, that's when the four-person team has really dug in and built this out, got in our, rolled up our sleeves and got in our hands dirty. But I am very excited for people to try it out. Right now it is free. 
Uh, please, please, please invite all of your friends that play League of Legends. Uh, join the beta.tryharder.gg or tryharder.gg. There's a button to click if you'd like to join it. But just looking for people to try it out, give us feedback, tell us what's good, what's bad, and how we can get better. And trust me, the, the AI coach will do the same for you and your game. Okay, so say someone is really fascinated with what you are doing in data collection and AI. How would someone get started on this path and gain experience in it? So my advice to this hypothetical someone would be to try and build something in this space. Pick something you're interested in, doesn't matter what it is, try to build it. And then when you get stuck, that's when the real learning begins. Because if it's easy, you know, like I built some crazy stuff in Excel. Like I think I built a neural net in Excel that predicts like, okay, based on output performance stats in Mario Kart, here's what character you should play because some characters are faster and give you a faster time but are harder to control, right? So like, I think that was like one of my first experiences, like picking that kind of tech apart and figuring it out. You don't always need really crazy tech or expensive servers, but sometimes you do. And that's when you learn new things, right? So try to build something, find something that you're interested in and then figure out, okay, uh, what do I need to build this? And Google is your friend there. So like if you're stuck on specific X, Y, and Z, search through that thing. If you're trying to do, you know, like some crazy like classifier model, uh, Google classifier models, find an example that you like and maybe try to replicate it. Um, Twitter is amazing for reaching out to people that know how to do this kind of stuff. And you can ask questions of these really awesome data science type people and they'll just answer you, you know, as long as you're not being a jerk. Uh, I've gotten a lot of interaction with people like, hey, I read your, your paper that you put out as a PhD. I really like this method. Uh, I'm stuck on this part, though. How can I do it? Oh, oh, that's an error. We actually found out that this is how you do it. You know, I've gotten responses like that. But you have to kind of step out of your shell and ask. And people are there to help you. Uh, the people in this community want everyone to succeed, want to help you out. And if you're going to eventually get hired to build cool stuff all the time, then you're going to want to be talking and building your network in this space anyway. So might as well multitask and learn while making those connections that you'll need later. And I mean, that might be a fun project in itself, build a network graph of all your social connections and then try to do some fun modeling around that. But uh, try to build something. You're going to get stuck, that's fine. Learn how to Google to figure out what you need to do to fix the problem. Uh, reach out to people on Twitter and build like a, a Twitter network. I really like Twitter because tech people are active on Twitter. And then uh, try to build something that people want or need because if you have that just sitting in your portfolio and out there publicly like, hey, here's a thing I did, people will reach out to you with opportunities. Or when you reach out to people of opportunities, like why should I care about this guy? Oh, because he or, or she you know, built this thing. So a little bit easier. Um, let me give a shout out to my, my good friend, Nick. Uh, he goes by Napster in Blue on Twitter, and he has a really good blog where he'll just do like some deep dreaming, uh, crazy algorithm stuff and combine shit posts together, you know, just because he wants to learn the tech and can. And then he'll throw all of his code on Git. I think he just like built his own Tinder app where you plug whatever images you want and either upvote or downvote them, you know, kind of like swiping one way or another. And again, threw all the code up on Git. He streamed the whole thing on Twitch. So like really good creator that you can reach out to, ask questions about, and also 
you know, one more person for your network. But yeah, do all those things and you should be able to get started and figure it out. Um, again, happy to help if anybody needs assistance or direction or whatever. Just reach out. Can you tell me about a time that you failed in your professional life and how you reacted or what you did to overcome that failure? Yeah, that's a fun one. People are always upset about failures, but really lose is improve. Every time you fail, you should try to turn it into a victory by learning from the mistakes and making it so that you won't replicate them in the future. Um, let's talk about League of Fighters. Uh, if you're not familiar, a while ago, my, one of my uh, college roommates decided to make a fighting game, a very good fighting game, uh, with League of Legends characters as the main characters. Um, he spent a year or two like coding this out, uh, recruiting a team of about 200 different artists, uh, musicians, testers. Uh, he had a whole bunch of different people helping him promote and, and move the thing around. He was working with conventions and fighting game professionals. Like, like I think Justin Wong at one point was playing the game and like showcasing how cool it was because he did a really good job balancing it. Um, I was one of the 200 people in that team, not playing a big part, but I, I made a couple of the the songs that were played in the background when you were beating the crap out of Annie and throwing chickens with Trindamir at that, the opposing player. But um, we spent a ton of time in that project. Like, I remember I drove up to like a three-hour drive away to Grand Rapids, recorded at Coldwater Studios with uh, the Muster Plug group up there. Like, I actually got their drummer, one of my favorite bands, to just drum on those tracks, which was kind of cool. So I had all these really amazing things happening where, like, okay, I, I wrote out these songs. I got one of my favorite musicians to drum over because I don't know how to play drums. I just did the guitars. We got everything working. All right, man, we hit the front page of Reddit. It got a couple million people looking at our video. Cool. Neato. And then it all fell flat because uh, a certain entity that owns the IP to League of Legends characters uh, did not want it to proceed the way that uh, my friend who was orchestrating the whole thing agreed with. Let's just say that to be uh, PC and not get anyone in trouble. But that was a huge learning for me because... Like, the, the guy poured his soul into that project. He spent every waking moment building it and got it to a point where it was better than a lot of the games out there. Like, I remember playing one of the, the test versions on my computer and like, wow, it's actually balanced. You know, it's not like some things where there's a bunch of broken combos and some characters are good or bad. There were a bunch of cool ways where you could dodge and counterplay. Like, you had summoner spells on cooldowns. Like, Flash would actually let you flash in the game. You can use that to... Uh, mix up and break up combos and things where other games don't have that and all kinds of really cool things the art was super super good because we had a bunch of really talented people doing it and it the project just fell flat on its face because the the ip owner didn't want the thing to happen i think at the time uh, they were building their own or something again that hasn't come to fruition in the years since but uh, that taught me that you want to be careful how you spend your time and effort. Like for me, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like I got a couple tracks out of it and, you know, I had fun hanging out with some of my like musician friends that were amazing and like, like got to interact with them and build that network that we talked about already. But like for him, like he was planning on doing this full time. And what's nice is he turned it into a win too, because in building this out, he made a pretty big name for himself in the fighting game community. And from there, he launched uh, Panda Global Gaming with uh, one of his buddies. And 
like he's been doing that since and has been quite successful. I think I'm wearing my Panda Global shorts with the the badass growling panda on him right now. So big ups to to Mashumaro for uh, shooting for the stars, failing, and then just throwing himself back up into the heavens and going big again. So yeah, um, how you reacted or what you did to overcome that failure, learn from it. Like, I don't think he's working on any projects that are owned by other people, you know, unless he has a legal binding written agreement that he's going to get a piece for his very valuable time. And also he was able to turn that connection and all those interpersonal relationships he generated building the cool thing into the next thing. So again, that loses improved mentality. Like every time you have a setback, find a way to turn it into something big. That's very important, especially in like esports and the video game scene where you're going to lose a lot because there's a lot of people trying to do things and most of them are pretty talented. Learn from them when they like wipe the floor of you might as well get something out of it. You're a people person and seem to thrive in the spotlight. You would have to be to succeed at a company like Quicken Loans. Some of my listeners might be preparing for interviews in the near future. So I would love to hear your recommendations about how to best prepare for a job interview. Maybe from a perspective of both an introvert and an extrovert, if you can. How do you prepare for a job interview? From the perspective of an extrovert and an introvert. All right, let's do extrovert first, because that's what I'm good at. First of all, all is fair in love and war. Uh, You do not have to follow the rules for getting a job. You should cheat. Have you ever looked at a big company and there's like an owner and they have a last name? Let's say, you know, like Smith or something. You may notice that a lot of people that work there also have the last name Smith. It's not because they're like talented and more handsome than everybody else. It's because they cheated and used their interpersonal connections. And it's not cheating. It's just how the real world works. So from an extrovert perspective, my number one advice would be to flex your network of people. So ask everyone that you directly interact with, hey, I need a job. I'm looking to do this. Uh, What can you do for me? Can you help me out? Can you get me in where you work? Do you like it? You know, that'd be good too, right? You don't want to get into a job that you're friend hates if you're going to hate it too but you know if there's something out there like see if you can use your friends and family and acquaintances and people in your network to hook you up and help you out Um, a lot of these companies hiring things will just get 10,000 like botted resumes thrown at them and you know, you have a very small chance just because of the sheer volume of getting through. If you have a friend or family member that works there already refer you, you usually pass that 10,000 line and then you're being considered against tens of other people, you know, dramatically increases your chances. And because they referred you, you know, they're putting their name behind you. There's a little bit more credibility. You'll at least get a call back, that kind of thing. So from an extrovert perspective, I would do that. Everybody you interact with, I would send thank you emails following up. Be like, hey, thank you for the time. Appreciated this. Um, Do the thing. Uh, This is a mistake I always make because I get nervous in my interviews sometimes. I try not to show it, but I I still get nervous. But um, get their contact information so you can send those thank you emails. Like I think I I just interviewed at a place the other day and, and forgot to do that. And so now I'm like, well, well, shit, how do I do I stalk them on LinkedIn and then send them a message there? And some people don't even log into that unless they're looking for a job. So that's weird. Like, just get their contact information. Uh, Having like business cards doesn't hurt. You know, you can go to a a Kinko's or something. Excuse me. You can go to a Kinko's or something and just get those printed out for, for relatively cheap. And then you have something of your contact information on. You can be like, and if they don't have one, be like, oh, you can use one of mine. Here, just write it on the back and give it back, right? 
and, and then you look like you're the real deal. They have a physical reminder of you that should feel nice. Like you use like not some flimsy floppy paper that'll get soaked in the sweat from your hands as you shakily hand it to them. Now you want something strong and firm that they'll remember you by. But uh, flex your network, use your contacts, do that. Okay, so that's first thing. Uh, from an introvert perspective, um, and this will work for extroverts and introverts, but this is something that introverts will probably need more. Uh, practice is king. Because if you're an introvert, you're probably not as practiced as extroverts at talking to people. So I would do mock interviews with your friends, with your teddy bear, with your dog, with your cat, whoever. Just walk through some stuff, you know, have someone like throw a question at you or say it, role play it out loud and then answer it. And when you're doing this, try to stand up and, you know, write on a whiteboard or a chalkboard or I don't know, draw for erasable markers on your wall or window. Window is probably better than wall. You know, you want to get that security deposit back. But uh, practicing is king. Uh, if you don't practice, you will not be prepared. Your brain will not have the circuits to multitask because they're going to ask you to stand and draw something or you're going to be in a suit or nice dress or something and out of your element trying to interview for this job. You know, things aren't going to go as planned. You're going to be like late because of traffic or something. Right. And you're going to be a little flustered. Well, if you've practiced and you've gotten to the point where it's just a uh, muscle memory reflex versus you're doing it for the first time, you're going to be able to roll with those punches a little bit easier. You're going to be a little more calm, a little more collected. You're going to have a better interview. Um, one advice that a friend of mine actually gave me was practice interviewing with jobs that you don't want to get hired for. Because if you do that, then if you have a bad interview, it doesn't matter. You don't want to work there anyway. Uh, there are a lot of jobs, specifically in esports, that don't pay. They they like offer to pay an exposure. They offer to oh here's a contract for one week and we might pay you at the end of it maybe. Those are great jobs to practice interviewing for, because then when you get them, because you will, because they're just trying to get any poor sap who wants to do work for free, uh, you don't take them. And if you screw up or if you, you're nervous and you stutter or whatever, like, cool, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Get that one out of your system, you know. So when you go interview for, like, the real job that you actually want to work for and will build a career at, you know, you won't repeat those mistakes. Loses improve. So do that. Luckily, there are quite a few of those, specifically in the esports field. Like, just give it a Google. I'm sure you will find a bunch of them. And those are great opportunities uh, to practice on. So I, I would do that. Um, when you are practicing, um, stand up and try to do something with your hands. Uh, a really smart Google engineer uh, had just put out a, it was like a course that Stanford or one of the Ivy League schools teaches from like interviewing for Google. It's like the name of the course, just ridiculous. You take a class about how to get a job. Like people just have these, these weird perks from going to places like that. But uh, one of the, the tricks was uh, juggle something in one hand while you're answering the practice interview questions. And what that'll do is, is get you focusing on multitasking, like put more strain on your brain while you're answering these things. And then when you go to the actual interview and they ask you to you know stand up and draw out your thoughts on a whiteboard or diagram out some code or map out some big A-B test or marketing plan or whatever, uh, 
you know, then you've practiced doing that because compared to like juggling, it's probably a little bit easier to just draw a thing that you've practiced and know. Uh, there are resources like that out there, by the way. It's fine to go out and just Google, how do I prepare for an interview? Um, another thing too, uh, most people ask the same standard questions. So you'll get a lot of the same questions over and over and over again as you practice, especially at those like uh, fake companies that don't pay people. Write them down. Have stock answers for them. Um, I recently interviewed at a place and they actually had a here's how to prepare for the interview like website blog post that was amazing. And one of the things they mentioned is um, there are behavior based questions like tell me about a time that you failed, you know, like what Spencer just asked me. And because it's a podcast, I went a little bit longer, but in an interview, they want you to do like here, they, they call it the star method here. You have a situation or task, that's the ST in star. So in 30 seconds, describe a thing that happened. Uh, an action in two minutes, describe the action you took to remedy the situation. Like, hey, here's what I did to fix the thing. And then results in 30 seconds, uh, what happened? Well, what's the measurable accomplishment or key learning? So situation, task, action, results, star. But uh, that's like three minutes, 30 second sandwich, two minutes of here's the thing I did uh, at the end of it. Here's what happened. Here's what I learned. Here was the measurable thing that changed based on, you know, the stuff I did. But uh, there are these tried and true cookie cutter methods to succeeding at interviews. Uh, practice is one of them. Collecting all the questions is another, you know, and you can just do that by Googling. There are quite a few popular ones. I think a few of the people at companies I work for have Googled, what should I ask in an interview before interviewing people? Like, cool, you can do that too. Cheat. All's fair. It's not cheating, right? And then the last piece, uh, try to like make it easy for them. Like that star method is really good. Like I had been like looking around for stuff for a while and had never heard of that until I interviewed at this one place. And now I'm like using that just in other places in my life too. Um, another thing, um, one of my friends used to work in recruiting and they said that you want to actually kind of play to the different sections of the interview. Most interviews will be like a, a screening layer where it's like somebody that doesn't know the nitty gritty of the job and they're just like looking to check boxes off a list that someone else who does know the nitty gritty has given them. And they're doing this on like the 10,000 people we mentioned earlier. Uh, their job is essentially to figure out three questions. Can you do the job? Do you check all the boxes on the job thing that I'm looking for? Will you do the job? Like they're going to do a background check. They're going to talk with you a little and figure out if you are actually a competent human being worth giving money to in exchange for labor. And then the third piece is generally, are you a good fit for the company and the role? So based on the culture and stuff, and that's something you should like Google the company and be like, hey, what are they all about? They usually have an about us page. Uh, you can steal a little bit of the, the corporate Kool-Aid there and try to work it into your responses. That's usually a good way to get past this screening layer. Um, from there, you then get to like the technical interview where it's the nitty gritty. Do you actually know what you're talking about? You're interviewing with someone you will be working for or with if you do the thing and get past like the interviewing process. So here you actually need to know your stuff. And it's still just a lot of like what we talked about, like, okay, they asked me a question. Can I answer it? Uh, can I do it in a concise way? Do, do I put on the air of being intelligent and stuff like that? So 
there, they're doing the same thing. Can you do the job? Will you do the job? Are you a good fit? But, you know, they actually know the nitty gritty. So just be honest, like go through and, and try to put your best foot forward, show off the cool stuff you can do. Like no need to be humble in, in an interview, right? You can make jokes about it. Like usually I don't like to brag, but here I have to. So here's some stuff that I've done. And yeah, hopefully you'll get lucky because there's a lot of luck in it too. You could have a kick-ass interview where you feel like you did great and then, you know, someone that has the same last name as the company founder suddenly gets the gig for whatever reason, right? So don't feel bad about it. Sometimes it's just a numbers game. Yeah, I hope that helps. I feel like that was a pretty long response to a question whose advice was give short, concise feedback. But yeah, good luck out there. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, sit down and chat with me once again. And uh, I look forward to releasing this and uh, sharing it with the world. Likewise. Thank you, my friend. You can find today's guest on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Monday or on Twitter at Grace Under Fiero, where he discusses the latest patches and the future of AI and gaming. I want to thank you all for listening. And at the end of the day, this podcast is a resource for you. So if you would like to hear more about a certain topic or profession in the industry, definitely reach out and let me know. You can find me on Twitter at WhatTheMeta or by searching for Not Spencer across all social media. Thanks again. Now go crush it.